I felt that uh, something was wrong. I could hardly breathe. And slowly but surely, I got sicker and sicker. I was diagnosed, of course, as COVID. And they put me in this emergency ward. And I looked in the eyes of the doctors and the nurses, and they were so tired and so stressed out. And I looked around the room, and I said, this might be the last room I'll be on Earth. Let me get out of here. So I fought it day and night, and I got this avalanche of well wishes. I was blown away. I was touched. People around the world, I call them angels. One of those angels, they called and said, I have something for you. So I took it because I had nothing really to lose. I was desperate. I needed to fight something. I couldn't walk. To make a long story short, here I am sitting here telling you my story in pretty nice health. That ivermectin interrupted a process that was doing me harm. And ivermectin is one of those things that's always been already been here. We use it now for the, the conquering of COVID-19. I'm very grateful for all of you for literally saving my life. Lou Gossett Jr. is a fine actor and a fine human being, and he is just fine today. We are thrilled that he got over COVID with the help of the FLCCC and with the help of somebody that you are going to meet tonight. We are thrilled to have the doctor who treated uh, Lou Gossett here with us. And he has treated not only Lou, but he's been so successful at treating COVID patients and treating people who prevention as well as early treatment that I think he's treated most of Lou's family and friends as well as 600 other patients. And all of those that he has treated early have avoided going to the hospital. So we are really, really thrilled to have you have an opportunity tonight to meet one of the doctors who is not in the ICU, who is actually working with outpatients. And this is important because we are now at a very, very critical time where people are scared again. There is a surge with the Delta variant. And a lot of people are saying, oh my goodness, even if I've been vaccinated, I might come down with this. And we have a doctor that is going to tell you about his success, and he is going to tell you how best to protect yourself from the Delta variant. And so that's an important topic. But I have to tell you, we also, before I introduce him to you tonight, we have a surprise for you. We have a special video coming up a little bit later in the program that you are going to love and you're going to want to share with everybody. And boy, we want you to do that. It has something to do with something that Dr. Fauci said yesterday. That's all I'm going to tell you now. You just think about that because all I can say is something special. But first, let's deal with this disease and let's deal with somebody who knows a great deal about how to actually treat it 
successfully. Dr. Bruce Boros. Uh, Bruce is a cardiologist by training who now owns and manages and runs as medical director of three urgent care centers based in Key West, Florida. They're in the Florida Keys. So he has all kinds of patients in that area, but he's also one of our telehealth doctors who actually treats people from all over via Zoom and via telehealth. And this is very important in these days. So we're gonna talk a little bit about that too. So Bruce, let's, I'm, I'm thrilled to have you meet our people. Why don't you tell us first now, a cardiologist, how did you wind up going from cardiology into urgent care? Well, first of all, I'd like to thank you, uh, FLCC uh, Alliance and everybody who uh, watches the show. It's gonna be a different kind of a show, okay? And I'm gonna get into the personal stuff. <clears throat> I usually have somebody with a hook long cane pulling me off because once you hit the switch, you know, I'm just going, okay, on all topics my whole life. I would like to uh, tell everybody here who's watching Betsy that my entire life as a, a doctor, I'm board certified in internal medicine as well, but 99% of my life has been cardiovascular medicine, Miami Heart Institute, Sinai, and then I came down for a variety of reasons to the Florida Keys, thinking, hey, the Florida Keys is paradise, but it was a little bit like Borneo, uh, contemporary medicine down here um, <clears throat> was not uh, so wonderful in cardiovascular medicine and uh, pretty much built with my associate at that time, Dr. Berger, uh, uh, a giant cardiovascular practice. So I've been practicing uh, heart medicine for a long time. It's my passion, it's my love. <clears throat> So I would like to tell everybody who's watching tonight, it's going to be a little bit different kind of a show. I tend to lean back and relax, but this is really me. And I'm no different than you. I'm no different than anybody out there, except for most of you people, I'm a better cardiologist than you are. That's it. I'm no different. I have the same fears, I have concerns. I have family. Um, and uh, when COVID hit, um, I was, uh, I had opened up my first urgent care as an alternative to the emergency room. The cost oh. of emergency room care was crazy. My patients had no place really to go to. And so I opened up the urgent care uh, as a high level CT, ultrasound, ER doctors, et cetera, as an extension for cardiovascular patients. When they called up at five with a heart rate of 170, where do I go? What do I do? It was very frustrating and it, a lot of medical bankruptcy. So my vision was to uh, have additional centers, first in Key West, and, um, and direct my patients to my own center for higher level care, additional care, which soon became the place to go for all of Key West. Uh, they took to come for this type of treatment, not just cardiovascular, but anything else. And so- COVID came, and this is, what happened then when you actually got onto the possibility of ivermectin before we did, before the, before our, before the critical care doctors did? What did, what okay. did you well, want? You know, we, we suffered greatly down in Key West uh, because of the enormous amount of people that contracted HIV and real full-blown AIDS. I mean, I was taking care of AIDS patients when they were really, really sick and dying. And so um, uh, 
back in April, I was doing just novelty Facebook stuff, trying to get out to a crowd and get a message out. And we have a, a pier down here, which is also a memorial for the AIDS patients that have died. <clears throat> and I was filming to give encouragement for people, all of you out there, not to lose hope. We had been through things like this. And here recently in the 80s and 90s, we in the Key West uh, situation uh, had a very high proportion of people that were dying. And I filmed them and I filled their names in the memorial. And I said, look, we got to have hope. There's a lot of things that are going on. And fortunately, one of the blessings is that my wife, Christina, uh, has been doing research about it. I was asked to speak at our city commission meeting on March 3rd. And I already knew that this was going to be March 3rd of 2020. So I was starting to prepare the urgent care for this very deadly problem. I've been a doctor since 1977, okay? Um, I know I look young, but I, I do get around crowds. So now I just gotta tell you, like I said, this is me. I'm as serious as a heart attack when I have to be, uh, but you know, we have to also try to stay uh, on the light side. Uh, we have very troubling times <clears throat> and I wanna keep it in perspective. So I was filming and I was talking about this, what's out there. And at that time, remember it was, you know, Oh, gee, you get it, you get sick, you get COVID, your lips turn blue, you can't think right, you get confused, and then you go home with the diagnosis and come back when you can't breathe anymore and you can't talk, okay? And then you get hospitalized and then you get put into the ICU, not just here, around the country, everybody remembers this, and you wind up in, um, in the ICU on a ventilator and you die. And I, I basically said, there's things out there Let's have hope, HIV, look where we are now. And then my wife had uh, come across an article about ivermectin, a study that was being done out in Kansas, I believe. And um, so I started researching it actually uh, before the meeting in February, uh, trying to learn everything I could. And I was noticing they were using this all around the world. Obviously, if it, it was labeled as an anti-parasitic medication, it's one of the greatest medications ever, ever created from um, the Japanese soil. And uh, it's on the WHO's uh, most essential list. We use it to treat pinworms and babies. We use it for mice and scabies. I came up with that one today at Rhyme. And, um, and so <clears throat> in looking at it and seeing that 4 billion doses had been used and that had, had been used trial um, in SARS-1 a little bit, hydroxy had uh, also at that time labeled by that gentleman, that doctor you mentioned earlier is a miracle drug uh, for SARS-1. And I just, I jumped into it. And I told the commission, they asked me, and I told them this is going to be bad because it was after the people in Washington nursing home, an asymptomatic person uh, came in and the first six people died from an asymptomatic carrier. And that's when I said, we got a big problem. We need PPE. We need to mobilize. We need everybody to understand that it's coming. And it's going to be very, very bad. And that came from my gut. And that came from having been a doctor, as long as I had been seeing trials fail, seeing medicines and, and different devices come and go, uh, touted as the greatest things ever, only to collapse, do harm, injure people. And I learned at that time, we've got to really be careful about the analyzation we do. Uh, but in certain situations, like a pandemic, you got to be prepared to move quick. So when did that's pretty much, that was April actually of 2020. 
I had spoken to the commission on March 3rd. I said, this is bad. I, <laughs> I was going to Home Depot. I was going to Sherwin-Williams. I was trying to find masks, the N95s. I was trying to get my own PPE because as everybody knows, the flip-flopping stores, everything, we didn't have it. We didn't have it. We were dependent upon one uh, China, actually, for all, almost all the materials medically. We had um, shipped this off, these uh, functions of manufacturing outside the United States, and we were pretty much held hostage. What was it like? What was your first case like? That is a miracle, and that's the one that was my, you know, they say coming to Jesus moment. That was the time when I just said, I, I am an advocate. And um, so I had been researching it, speaking to uh, the head doctor, Dr. Redondo, who's my hero in Dominican Republic. What they were doing, he put an observation around 1,300 people. Uh, they reduced hospital stays. They reduced their deaths by 40%. And that was the first you know, uh, situation. But my first patient was a giant guy, Kyle Carter. Um, he's here in Key West, he's 6'5", 300 pounds. And he came to the urgent care and um, he couldn't breathe. And we did an x-ray CAT scan, he was spiking fevers. It was in day six, he had been out to the emergency room. They put him early on steroids. And as soon as he got on early steroids, he just started falling off the cliff because we don't give steroids early. You just don't. And you know we, we know that. Um, I'm not against it. It certainly is on our protocols. Uh, right dose, right patient, right time, which is also the hydroxy story of misinformation that many published studies that were misinformation and designed to fail so that there would be nothing out there that people could hate or hopes on or think that there's something else out there at that time. So Kyle, literally, I said, Kyle, it's the only person I put in the hospital, actually, <clears throat> me personally, uh, was back in uh, July. And I put him in, uh, he was breathing 32 times a minute. He said, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die, I'm doomed. And if people go, they'll see my interview of him on Facebook or on my Bruce Boros, uh, on Bruce Boros Facebook or on, uh, I've done over a hundred hours of podcasts and chronicling everything uh, about COVID-19 and my thoughts, ideas and everything. And so I said, Kyle, I don't know what to do. I mean, you got to go to the hospital and, and, and get some oxygen. But if I was you, I would take ivermectin. And nobody knew about it. You know, nobody had heard about it. The commission, you no, know, they were as stupefied as everybody in the United States. What is it? How do you treat it? What do you do? What are we worried about? So I put Kyle in the hospital, I called the chief of staff, I called the admitting doctor at that time. I said, here's what we need to do patients consented, blah, blah, blah. And I gave him 56 milligrams of ivermectin based upon my reading and research and using 0.4 milligrams per kilogram. And that is a big dose, okay, at that time. And I had never used it before, but I had nothing else. I said, Kyle, if it was me, I'd take ivermectin. Literally the pills, his friend brought him in, put him on the bedside stand. And he said for hours, they were debating, do we give it, do we not, what is it? They were nursing, right, everybody was scared. I called up Kyle. He couldn't say a sentence without coughing, spiking fevers to 102. And I said, Kyle, I want you to take nine pills now. Never used it before. Eat something. I'll call you. Call them in two hours. How do you feel? Man, my stomach's a little queasy because I really didn't eat anything, but I'm hungry now. I said, take nine more pills. 
Okay, he took them and called them back in two and a half hours. So now, you know, we're at 18 pills, which is um, around 53 milligrams. I said, take the rest tonight. How you feeling? I'm calling you later. He said, call them back at 11.30. said, oh my God, oh my God, I can talk. I can talk. I feel a change going on in my body. And the, the next morning, so his CT in the, in the office, 60% of it was filled with COVID, COVID infiltrates. We were just learning about it, you know? So anyway, his O2 saturation stabilized. His fevers went away. And within 18 hours, he said, I'm 90% better. And I said, oh my God, I'm a believer. And from there on out, it's been purely ivermectin, except in the cases that um, uh, that the patients um, are already on. And that was early, they were on hydroxy for other things. And I was a little kind of skittish in the beginning. Now I started saying, put them together, early treatment. Um, and of course, uh, the earlier we treated people, the quicker they got better. Now, just as a, a caveat, and then we can move on. <clears throat> I've treated over 600 people when I say I. I want to throw out a lot of kudos for everybody who's frontliners. Every person who's been there, not knowing who was walking up to you, people would be coming in for a shoulder clearance or a broken bone, and COVID was here, and we separated out a respiratory area. They had a little coffee testing, and they had COVID. And so this is when it was really ramping up. And all those people, they had fishing mask on and a surgical mask. They all put themselves at risk. I praise all of them. I praise the ICU doctors, the learning curve, everything that everybody has been through, and my employees at Advanced Surgery Care. I love them. They were there. They have stood up, stood through this since the beginning, the inception. They deserve kudos. FLCCC, kudos. Okay, Dr. Reich, kudos. Uh, Dr. Corey Merrick, Dr. Peter McCullough, kudos, 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 courageous people courageous, not cowards, courageous people. And so I just wanted to, to, to get that out and thank everybody who put their, literally their lives on the line back then. So you told, here I you am. told me you discovered uh, Dr. Corey's paper and that that had an impact on you. Oh, uh, that uh, paper, the compendium he put out, I was giving it to everybody, but the doctors were scared. They were scared. They didn't, you know, they had no sanctioning. This should not be used. This is dangerous. All the misinformation started right out in the beginning. And, you know, the competitors have to be careful, right? PC, Betsy. So the competitors um, uh, basically were putting out a lot of bad data, creating studies uh, that were destined to fail. They did fail. Um, there were politics that were dragged into this, and unfortunately. And, um, and the politicalization uh, and the economics of medicine have created uh, a nightmare for a doctor like me, people of my generation, people who follow the Hippocratic Oath. And to do nothing at that time, we, were, we knew ivermectin was used worldwide, hydroxy was being used, to not do anything to me was doing harm. I said, you are doing harm. If you're a healthcare provider and you just wait for somebody to go into the ICU, be put on a ventilator and die, you're harming people. And you cannot believe the pushback. As a matter of fact, just briefly, um, I, I made a statement on Facebook. It's really tired. My wife came up. What are you doing? I said, well, I just called a certain doctor um, a fraud. And the, <laughs> the wound up, the, 
in the paper way back when, and even my hometown. This is how deeply involved and, and, and argumentative and combative and polarized people are. I've been here for four generations. I have treated four generations of clients, freshwater clients, visitors, everything people's whose lives I saved were turning on me because I went against the priest of medicine. And I just said, we need to really start looking at what we have. We have ivermectin and everybody out there who provides healthcare, you need to get educated. You need to learn. You need to read Dr. Corey's compendium and get educated. They're, they're afraid. They're like every other human being. I can't lose my job. They're threatening to fire me. I can't talk about this. I can't bring it up. And that has been universal in the United States of America and in many countries around the world being threatened. Even our own dear Pierre Corey, that's why I love him because he put himself out there as a courageous person who believes in the Hippocratic Oath. And I would also like to say that in the Helsinki Accord of 1964, when you have nothing else that's working and you have a pandemic or a major outbreak of an illness, it was, it was declared when you have nothing else, it is okay if some studies are showing it helps, it's got a great safety margin, a very good safety margin, and it's cost efficient, you can go right to human utilization. And that was dictum back in 1964. So the immediate usage of ivermectin had our medical leadership observe that and knew it. We should have known by April or May of last year, ivermectin does the trick. Early hydroxy does the trick and everybody else can take it from there. What does that really mean in terms of hospitalization, death, um, economic change, loss, devastation to the, to the entire world. This should have been out. And we're seeing people now probing, why didn't it happen? Why didn't it come to the forefront? And I'm very, very proud of my staff, my people, and all the people that believed in me because it took about three days of all the people that were trying to beat me up and really cursing at my wife and foul and terrible language. That's why I want people who are listening. This is real stuff. I'm a story. I walk. I've been there in the real world with people that I've taken care of. Took about three days, and everybody finally calmed all the naysayers down, all the finger pointers, and said, We believe in him. Because they believed in me, we were able to capture a lot of Monroe County people in Key West, and, and we got them treated. I started the test and treat program in October. If you came to one of our centers, and now I had three, and you had any symptoms, and even one of them sounded like COVID because it was such a high rate, I said, I can't wait for a PCR to come back in six, six days. That labs were behind, Quest was behind 10 days. People were pretty much through the illness if they survived by the time they got the results back. My clinics, I said, test, treat, immediately day one, tell them about ivermectin, offer to them, risk-benefit ratio, and I cannot tell you, just like Kyle, and I will say, just like Kyle, it didn't matter what virus you had because ivermectin's an antiviral. There's evidence it's good against cancer. And so we've used it for dengue. We've used it for Zika. We've used it for Ebola. It's been used for East, Eastern equine encephalitis. Um, it's been used. It's shown great, great results. And of course, in almost curing the world of parasitic illnesses. So it got pigeonholed. And that's all anybody who was against 
this wonderful medicine wanted to use. It's an anti-parasitic. You're crazy. What are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And I kept saying, I use almost the same dose for children and babies with pinworms. What are you afraid of? Because even if it was 50% effective, if it was 25% effective, we would have saved a lot of lives. We wouldn't have had to shut down. We would have treated people at high risk with a pill that costs $4. And there is no shortage of this pill, no matter what this audience hears. Edinburgh Pharmaceuticals, and I, I say their name with great praise, they are stocked beyond capacity. They are ready to ramp up if they need to. And so they are a major supplier. And um, there cannot be a story out there that it's not available. You can't hear from your pharmacist. And we can't get it. No, it's available. Now, that's a good question because we are we certainly have doctors who have complained to us that they and some of our own doctors have had a difficult time getting prescriptions filled in. There's a lot of trouble right now. Some of the pharmacies out in Southern California are refusing to fill. We're hearing that, oh, uh, from pharmacies saying that, oh, well, the uh, headquarters of this chain is saying, no, 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 you can't do it. And then we hear, we call the headquarters and they're saying, well, um, no, that's not, it, it's up to the individual pharmacy. And the law is such that in some, it's all depending on state law, whether or not a pharmacist can deny filling a prescription or not, it's very, it's very complicated. Most of the states, a pharmacist is required to fill a prescription. And in some, there are laws that say they can use their conscience and not do so. Um, what it's not what so are you finding? Yeah. Well, I found that education is the key. You give knowledge, people get power, they get power out of knowledge, right? Mm -hmm. I went to every pharmacy, I called them up, I said, I'm gonna be using a lot of ivermectin. The literature is supporting it. Let me tell you where to go. Let me tell you why, okay? Because doctors often, to be as critical as I can be, but fairly benign, they don't have the time. They call in a prescription and all of a sudden they're getting barraged or being asked to do something that people still today do not know the word ivermectin around the country. Pharmacists, what is that? If I went and I talked to them, I referred information to them, I referred them to Pierre Corey's, and they started being believers. They were seeing there was nothing else out there. And my centers were ordering it, ordering it, ordering it. And so they stayed well stocked. But again, you know, this is a, a small county. Um, you know, we do wonderful things to help people. And if the doctors would take the time to get educated themselves and not be afraid, and to stand up and be courageous. Again, doing nothing is doing harm, as far as I'm concerned. My pharmacists have all come around and say, mine, nobody holds off. Now, they may have limits in terms of how much they can get in based upon orders that are coming in, but it's never more than 48 hours. Usually they say, we will have those prescriptions and pills available the next day. So when you get pushback, the doctors, you need to call the pharmacists and talk to them. Okay, the ones that are using it and your colleagues become educated and educate the pharmacists. They do have a right, believe it or not, to act as physicians in terms of the advice, their decisions. If a prescription looks, wow, I've never ordered 58 milligrams. I've never filled an order for 58 milligrams of ivermectin, but I called the pharmacist. I said, I'm going to do this order. Why? 
here's why, here's what's going on. I urge the doctors and healthcare providers to help the pharmacists get on board and they know it now, not just here in Houston. They are everywhere I call and I've made a hundred calls in the past week uh, through the, tel the telemed program. Um, and I, I've had one doctor who called me back said, could you please clarify the birth date on that patient? Is your telemed strictly in Florida or are you dealing with people in other states as well? Well, at the risk, and I do have to just tell people honestly, I have a, I, I had two other uh, providers working with me. One has been out for 10 days on vacation. The other um, is ill, but getting better, thank God. So to pick up the slack because they were doing, and we do it around the country, Bangor, Juneau, you know, um, you know, Caribou City, everywhere. So people are calling in. We have, we have a week of people that we need to call. Um, I personally have been doing it because I don't have the the my other providers working with me. That's why my voice is gone. So I'm doing the best I can, but we will treat and try to help everybody. But instead of setting up a telemed like this. I just call and say, hey, I'm Dr. Boros. I'm sorry, I got to call you by my phone. Now, of course, it's one o'clock in the morning. And they say, thank you for calling. Thank you for calling. There's never been anybody angry. There's never been anybody who said, why are you calling me so late? What's wrong with you? No, thank you for calling me. I want the doctors to understand this is a mission. This is something you need to do. We need to get, we're not going to vaccine our way out of this. We're not, okay? And we need to use alternative therapies. Ivermectin is the key. And as a matter of fact, Dr. Fauci um, uh, commented, I was going to quote it, but the essence of it is, I'll be really, really happy when we have a pill that we can use. Five days of treatment when you get symptomatic. Well, I don't want people to even get symptomatic. And when we, when we got to 350 people, I did our own internal five-question questionnaire. How are you? Did it help you? Were you COVID positive or not? And so we knew uh, out of the 300 we got to, in a follow-up observational, 100 had COVID, nobody went out of the hospital, everybody got better, okay? And 200 had another viral illness, a rhinovirus and a dentovirus, they got better. God almighty, I took this pill. They weren't even COVIDs, they were viral illnesses, the antiviral. It's an antiviral pill. <laughs> Let me ask you something, because there's a question that people want to know. What about other urgent cares? Have you talked to the, there's an urgent care association, is there not? Yes, there is. Um, have you, you talked know, they, to them? They have, I have, I have reached out many times. Um, I appreciate uh, your asking that. And I would, I have many urgent cares, particularly Dr. Tyson. Uh, he uses a lot of hydroxy. He's treated thousands of patients and he's in a big environment in Arizona. But the Urgent Care Association, like many, are trusting and believing in the dogma. They're, they're barely even doing their own research at a time when they were collapsing under the economic crisis of COVID because nobody was coming in even to an urgent care. They just stayed at home. Belly pain, I'll ride it out till their colon exploded. I mean, it was really devastating. But yes, I have spoken to them. I hope somebody there is watching. I still write to them. And I said, look, we need to offer this. 
We have 9,000 urgent cares in America, just in, in America alone, you know, and they could be offering this. I'm begging the doctors out there, all doctors who do primary care or have direct uh, interaction with patients, urgent care, ER, please get educated, get educated. Because even if you won't get your test back, you don't have a rapid, treat these people for their viral illness of which COVID happens to be the predominant one and Delta is not pretty. I had 25 positives come back today from my Key West clinic, people we tested within a, a 48 hours ago, 19 have been vaccinated of the 25 that came back. And that's just in Key West today. I just got that's, the number. That, what does that tell you about the efficacy of the vaccines? It's, in waning. it's waning. You know, uh, they put out a report, I think it was J&J &J is now the 37% efficacy. The others are hovering in the 40s. And what's happening is that this um, a treatment, um, you know, had a good basis in theory, um, but never tested really in any substantial amount of animal trials. But we were in a pandemic. Okay, so when you're in a pandemic, you try to go at warp three or four. Okay, because again, we have been told there was no alternative treatment. The population has been told every single bit of messaging out there. And who's going to deep dive into this stuff? A guy like me, and McCullough, who gave up cardiology to take on this mission to help people. We're in it. McCullough's way smarter than me. Well, McCullough, I love the guy. He's being assaulted. I hope he countersues and gets $50 billion. But, you know, you got to have the time to research. Doctors don't have that time. They can't. You know, uh, um, you can't take the, the sourcing that's coming in and even determine it. Is it real? Is it non-real? Who is it coming from? Why? Is this about economics? Is this about politics? It is a frightening circumstance for the medical profession and something I have never witnessed, encountered, or otherwise to this magnitude in my career since 1977. What do we do for the people, vaccinated or not, who need to live a life and are concerned about the Delta variant and what's going on now and the floods of ICUs again and what appears to be the growth of this. It, is it just, is it, it, well, it's what you're telling me is it's not just the unvaccinated. Are people being careless? Are they partying in close range too much? I mean, what, what is the best thing people can do now to protect themselves? I'm going to ask you a rhetorical question and then immediately move on. You got a mask. You got a mask up. Well, wait a minute. What kind of a mask? Down here in the Keys, everybody thinks that single ply with a, with a, a marlin or a sailfish on it is doing something. There's not been, out of the 14 randomized double blind controlled studies, there has been no definitive statement. And everybody up there is saying, you got a mask, you got a mask. What does that mean to Joe Public? They haven't been specific because they can't be. There's no real data to support it, but they've got to say something. And they have to keep in, being inclusive. As Hermann Goring said at the Nuremberg trials, when they said, how did all of Germany come on board with what's happened? He says, it's easy, just create fear. And once you create fear, 
the population will turn to the government for the answers. Well, really, you know, what's the motivations? We do have, we do have an article on masks on the website that was written by our Dr. Corey, uh, in, and it's very good. It was published, I believe, in one of the major newspapers, um, and it's it's there on the site. What to do? It's about the N95s, and it's about being much more careful about that. But in addition to mask wearing, what else? Well, um, I think we would have to use ivermectin. I mean, I'm telling all my, my dad's 96, right? I had him on ivermectin prophylaxis from uh, uh, July, April. I had him on prophylaxis uh, until he, of his own World War II, Sergeant Bilko in intellect, for the people who know Sergeant Bilko, he said, hey, Bruce, I went out and I got jabbed today. And he said, what do I do about the ivermectin? He'd been very healthy, but he had isolated. And, he, and I said, look, you know, they may be helpful. I don't know. I'm concerned. I hope they work. But I want you to continue ivermectin. Well, you know, at 96, your memory's not so good. He quit. And unfortunately, uh, a, month, a month ago, he got COVID. And here he is, and you know, I said, Dad, why didn't you keep taking it? And I didn't want you to call in another prescription for me. Why would you not want additional backup when we see waning efficacy of the current products that are out there? I'm not knocking them. I'm just saying there are still a lot of questions to be answered. Time is showing, again, to these variants. That spike protein has mutated over 400 times. It's not the wild type. It's not the original virus that the that these uh, injections were made for. It may not be recognizing it properly, and therefore it's not as efficacious. People are reading about ADE and immune escape, and as Dr. Robert Malone stated, I've listened to many inventor of the uh, messenger RNA technology. He's very concerned that we're in a, a situation where the this injection is enhancing, not killing the virus, but enhancing its ability to get into healthy cells. It's called antibody-dependent enhancement. I knew it a year ago when I was talking to my virology doctors and friends. And I think, uh, according to Dr. Malone, things that are coming out now, I think that the, the injection is not recognizing the, uh, this variant, more variants, more mutations to come. And then there's a thing called immune escape, which is uh, that this virus has mutated so many times um, that we're headed into a different form. And now this uh, third, uh, maybe this lambda, they're saying the lambda equally is uh, contagious. However, it may well be not responding to what we have on the market. My answer is ivermectin. There's not been any COVID. Uh, 19 SARS-2 that has not been effectively treated with very low doses of this drug, this medication, this miracle drug, ivermectin. I'm telling everybody, talk to your doctor, educate your doctor, educate your pharmacist, become educated, urgent cares. Please, you are the front line. I've been there. My people have been there. People are coming to you. They're not going to go to the emergency room unless they're on death's doorstep. Most people now are educated. They know I've got this, I've got these symptoms, whatever. This one is a lot of headache, a lot of eye pain, and diarrhea. 
that's the trio of what people are presenting with now. And you can't just, you know, wait around. You've got to get treated early to give you your greatest likelihood of success. And as testimony showed in the meta-analysis, even with the question, question mark of the Egyptian um, uh, uh, questions that have come up, it's 91% efficacious, okay? It remains that number, whether to keep you from getting coronavirus or if you get it, it's mild. It is up to us at grassroots level. We need people to be strong. They need to read the information. They need to help their doctors understand. You can't do nothing, Dr. Smith. You have to, sorry, Dr. Smith, Dr. XYZ, you can't do nothing. You're doing harm. And if somebody gets COVID, they can't get a jab anyway, but they can be treated with alternative therapies that are cheap, inexpensive, harmless, essentially harmless, 12 deaths in 4 billion doses. I'm going to zip it. I know you want to say something else. Well, we, there's a lot to say, and we have a lot of questions that people want to ask. And But we are at a perfect moment to show this special video because you have just talked right into it. So let's listen to Dr. Fauci. I want a pill that blocks the viral function. I want to give it once a day, if possible. I want it to be low in toxicity. And I want it to have very minimal drug-drug interactions. So orally administered, single pill, given for seven to 10 days, little drug-drug interaction and low toxicity. Give me that and I'll be really happy. afternoon. Yes. Kelly Booman had the idea last night after <laughs> Fauci said that. I mean, is that not what our doctors have been saying? Is that not our iMask Plus protocol that, mm -hmm. had, that they have been working on all this time? Oh my God, that is so, you know, they say a picture's worth a thousand words, a video like that. It's indescribably delicious and fantastic. And, you know, I've been Twittering, I've been Facebook jail eight times, okay? I, I, you know, if I had to give my full disclosures, you know, eight times in Facebook jail, um, but I'm not a felon. 
and I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Uh, and doctors need to move ahead through the threat, the threats. Um, they need to be brave. They need to be courageous. They need to not be cowards and they need to live up to their Hippocratic oath. And, and that's my major message. And if you have received the injection, you have a deserved right to be concerned, to be worried. And I would go on ivermectin prophylaxis. I don't care where you go. I have not had, I have not had it. My wife has not had it. I've been taking it for one year. My blood works perfect. I take the vitamins. I take, you know, the zinc, everything that, that's been out there forever. I want to put up a slide right now because we have on the front of our website about building your immune system. Uh, it is a nice, yes, look, stay prevention at home to stay healthy. Uh, this, folks, also gives you an idea of the important vitamin D, vitamin C, the quercetin, the zinc, uh, and the amounts that go with the ivermectin, that this is, these are all part of their iMask Plus protocol uh, that the FLCCC doctors have put together very carefully. But th this is all part of what you're doing too, is it not, Bruce? Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> As a matter of fact, I would like to, for the record, say that the, the organization is a brilliant group of not-for-profit, 120 doctors around the world that are more highly published over 2000 uh, papers Dr. Merrick, Corey, Wax, us have everybody. These are esteemed people that just want to help the world. Why is it that we can't even get a 10% adoption? Or, hey, thumbs up, I used it. Uh, the, the representatives, Congress, and hey, I gave that to my kids when they were three years old and had pinworms. Why the silence? I've tried to call them out. You need to think about where your vote goes. Okay, campaign donations, et cetera. I got it. I'm sorry, it's getting on the side. But why? And everybody needs to question. You can't just question your friends. Okay, you can't get a lot of people, you can't even get into a discussion because it's so polarized. But everybody can call their Congress people, their representatives. Voting is coming up, know what they stand for. Have they been receiving campaign donations? A lot of things out there that has made this beyond anybody's imagination that we are in this situation now, particularly a guy like me who's been doing this since 1977. Let's take some questions from the audience. We have a few here. Um, Barbara Deal wants to know, are the number of breakthrough cases of COVID among the vaccinated in the range of what should be expected? Well, um, I think that the discussions uh, were, were there in the beginning uh, of this attempt to have, a, um, have an injection of still things that have not been disclosed. Questions have been asked, what's in this? What's in it? You know, we know it's, it's two of them are genetic, three of them are have genetic material, uh, which has not been very successful for decades. Okay, it's of concern. We are in a pandemic. We need needed in theory uh, to, to have uh, something that we could turn to. Remember the fear statement. Um, there has been nothing but fear mongering going on at the highest levels. And we all are susceptible to a 10 second or a five second clip that we see or hear. And there has been silence, silence. So how do we know to be expected? Well, all previous studies where there were failures, uh, deaths, 
at 50, there's a black box warning that we were looking into previous uh, RSV um, uh, type of technology. Also in dengue, uh, the utilization of genetic material, when it got to a certain amount of deaths, 50 black box warning, 500, that was the end of the study. Okay, so those weren't pandemics, but they're very real examples. So how do we know it's a novel virus and we're learning and it was suggested even in the literature that's put out by the companies, they say this antibody enhancement, uh, dependent enhancement, right now to this point, early on in a few people that were studied, we're not seeing it. And, but we can't comment about anything late because it doesn't happen until late. So it's one paragraph that is a cover-up paragraph. Hey, we can't comment on something we know may happen. It may happen, but at this point early on, we can't talk about it. We will just have to wait and see. But what are we seeing, Betsy? Where are we seeing data? The FDA has given big pharma a pass on data reporting. They only have the VAERS and it's severely under-reporting. So all I can say is, okay, we've got to wait and see. We've got to be smart. And I can tell you, ivermectin works. It works. I'm crushing Delta. It's a little harder. This is definitely a little harder to treat. I'm moving earlier. I'm using higher doses right from uh, particularly day four or five, because now you're really at day six, seven, right? Because you've had the viral buildup for two days before you have symptoms. Then on day eight, nine, and 10 is one of the high risk disaster videos that we saw last year. That's where you get this inflammatory cytokine response and the lungs blow up and the organ systems fail. They fail. You've and got so, to beat that. You've got to be, get it out before and, that. And, and many, you know, the messaging we're getting is, oh, it's only the unvaxxed in the hospitals. Well, I called people and some very knowledgeable people working on COVID floors and they say it's equal in terms of admissions but nobody right now can give us the actual true data on how many people are on ventilators and how many people actually have died, whether they've gotten the, the injection, the COVID injection, or whether they were un, uh, you know, pure. They hadn't been received anything and just got COVID. So we're learning as we go. I'd love to be specific because it would make me a better doctor. It would help doctors to have knowledge and know what the heck are we doing? Why are we not giving this pinworm medication to adults and, and protecting them? As a heart doctor, there are people 30 and under. They're having heart attacks. They're having inflammation of their heart wall, the sac around the heart. So they're dying. They're getting defibrillators put in. Over 300 cases that have actually been reported. Who knows how many have not been reported? Like, what are we doing? And now, <clears throat> when you talk about giving another injection that will, and this is, it came out, it's there, I'm not making this stuff up. It will increase your antibody, artificial antibody level. It will not do anything different to treat the current um, virus. And we have now this lambda strain that's come down. So why are we pushing this ever increasingly weakened uh, uh, injection at a time where it may be enhancing the infection, causing it through antibody-dependent enhancement and using immune escape like a dog running from a dog catcher. This virus is not 
going to be put into the kennel. And ivermectin is, is, can do it. Ivermectin can do it in probably a month. It, Let's take a couple more questions here, but we, we've got to get some from the audience as well. Uh, Jody Masters, what is your opinion a prophylactic ivermectin for someone that is not high risk, for example, having no underlying health conditions. I'm 47, she says, and I work in the public, with the public as a driver. Okay, well, you know, I compliment the uh, FLCCC. These are in-hospital doctors, okay? I'm an outpatient doctor. All of them, all, everybody but Dr. Wagshaw, who's outpatient pulmonologist, um, who's terrific, uh, they're seeing the sickest of the sick. I am trying to keep my people away from Pierre. I'm trying to keep them away from Paul. I'm trying to keep them away from Barone. And they'll be very happy if they never have to see another, another COVID patient again. So I am using it. I took the high-risk protocol. And if you go to urgentcarefloridakeys.com, the landing page, highlighted in yellow, I say, I believe, in my opinion, I am not speaking for the FLCCC, but anybody 18 years of old of age or older should get on prophylaxis. I'm living proof. My wife's living proof. I'm 71 and a half. Okay, I'm in and out of my my centers. Sometimes a surgical mask uh, if we don't have the N95s, and I test regularly. Um, I got a rhinovirus from my five-year-old grandson. I love him. But he's a kid. He's got snot coming out of his nose. He was here for a week. And two weeks ago, I got a, I got a cold. I checked COVID twice at the proper intervals. I checked for antibodies on day, day 7, day 14, and 21. I never have had COVID. My wife doesn't have COVID. My friends were just taking, just taking the treatment, the real treatment for COVID. Uh, ivermectin right now, they're not getting it. They don't have antibodies, they're not getting sick. Take it. Even if you're not high risk, protect yourself because the Delta is highly contagious. And in many cases, it leads to a very bad outcome. And when it first was being talked about, Betsy, it was, oh, this is like, you know, it's going to spread, but it's not going to be really very when wrong, 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 except for the fact that it is spreading like wildfire. Okay, let me hear, got a few more good questions on this. Um, from an anonymous, uh, are people able to take more than five days of ivermectin? My fully vaccinated husband got COVID and gave it to me. I was okay. I was doing okay while on ivermectin, but as soon as I stopped taking it, I felt like I was going downhill. Under what conditions can you take it longer? I do not have low oxygen level or fever. Well, this is a great question and a lot of people face it. I would go back to my early experience up until I joined in lockstep with the intelligentsia of the FLCCC and my protocols that I created. I gave it 0.4 milligrams, one dose, one dose in the beginning of the illness with the vitamins, with other things, and with the one dose, like with Kyle, I didn't use anything but the ivermectin at that time because I was ignorant. I didn't know there were all these other things I was learning. That one drug, that one medication saved his life in 18 hours. So my, I've used it. I've used it many times, four or five days in a row. I've been in very high risk situations with my friends who are 
very sick. I go into their house. I'm watching my watch. I got 15 minutes. I go home. I actually take my clothes off, take a shower, put soap up my nose. Doesn't hurt. I rub soap to kill anything that might be in my nostrils. And I'll take four days, five days in a row, just prophylactically, just to give myself the extra. So to this uh, anonymous, probably my wife, knowing how tri tricky she is, um, you can take it. Sam Dan is a long hauler. I had him on two weeks of every day ivermectin. We'd smoke every day. He had been sick for eight months. He was, he was losing his business. He had lost 40 pounds. His doctor said, hey, there's no treatment. You got it. You got to go through it. Seven days after starting him, 95% of his symptoms were gone. He called me at six in the morning. He said, Doc B, Doc B, I can smell the coffee. I can smell the coffee brewing. And he went on to a great, great recovery. Yes, I'm not afraid to say it takes 2,000 times the daily dose that you might require to get to toxicity. This is safer than aspirin. This is probably safer than a sugar cube that you would put in your mouth. Okay, now we got a number of people who have been asked how, asking how quickly does the Delta variant begin to devolve into severe disease while the patient is still at home? Is there a higher dose recommended for the Delta variant? What would you say? I would say yes. Um, I, I stage it and uh, I talked to Dr. Corey about this. You know, if somebody gets it and we know they got it, I use the 0 0.2. And believe me, I'm taking care of people that weigh 270 pounds, 300 pounds, 310 pounds. And, and they, they're taking a lot of medicine and, and a whole bunch of pills, but you got to do it according to the weight. And nobody's calling me up to say, I can't take that. I, can't, I hate it. I'm not going to take it. You know, 600 people are not calling me back. Some people get some nausea. I tell them, space it out. You know, space it out. So... The bottom line is, um, yes, you can take it many, many days in a row safely. Sam Dan, I treated for probably three weeks every day. How are you feeling? How are you doing? I bumped it up. I brought it down. I ultimately went to Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And this is before there was anything in abstract. I mean, I'm, many of us are uh, treating just empirically because of the safety margin. And you know one thing I want to really say it now. In that, that segment you showed with Fauci, what was the one thing he didn't say? Cost effective. He said everything but cost effective. They're coming out with a designer five-day therapy once you get sick, and God knows what the price tag is going to be. He never said low cost. It's pennies in every country but the United States. It's pennies on the dollar. It's about $4, $5 a pill. Now you have to pay cash, go to GoodRx, get the discount coupons, a card. The pharmacist will work with you. I mean, people, please, doctors, please, providers, please, nurses, great advocates. You've got to help your doctors not be scared. Docs, don't be afraid. Be courageous. We're coming up on the top of the hour. We've got a couple more questions. Can you stay on for that? It says 220. Nah, I listen on the podcast. Sometimes I go two and a half hours. We're I, not going that long, but we sometimes run over a little bit. I, We've got I, to, I, we, 
I would be here as long as you wanted me here. All right. These stories. Let me just say one thing, Betsy, to yeah. the entire crowd. I had two people that I treated last night. I personally called them. They were really sick. You could hear it panting on the phone. One of them was on day seven, had risk factor, had overweight, hypertensive. I started very, multiple allergies, multiple things, uh, doxycycline, uh, pregnisone, everything. I said, look, you got to try it or you won't know whether you're going to have a bad reaction or not. And I encouraged her, told her risk benefits. I started her uh, 15 pills a day. I went right to the 0.6. And I said, you're going to take 45 milligrams a day for five days in a row. I said, I'll call you in the morning. I called her in the morning. She, her voice was normal. She said, oh my God, I am. This is overnight, one dose of five pills. And she was supposed to be 15, but she didn't get it till 11. This morning, I call, um, I had a patient also, stay eight, day seven, eight. I'm sick, I'm healthy my whole life. I feel terrible with this, with this COVID. I'm horrible, I've never been sick. I wish, I wish, you know, what? I said, okay, Ed, I, he told me I could use his name. His first name's Ed, not Mr. Ed, but Ed. And uh, he started his pills this morning. He was a, he said, I was an eight on a 10 scale. I was dying last night. I was dying this morning, quote, unquote, I swear to you. He said, I said, how do you feel now? Did you get a dose in, divide everything? He said, doc, I'm a three. I'm a three on a 10 scale. I feel so good. One dose this morning. And I called him at two o'clock to check on him. I swear to everything. People have got to push and push and grassroots. And we've got to call out. My Congress has just sent a letter to Dr. Fauci from Congress, about 20 members saying, why did you ignore the questions that were sent to you last April about utilizing ivermectin? Silence, silence, silence. He knew, he knew, they knew. And now Congress is looking into it. We have a question from Dewey, from Bob Dewey. Is there a definitive test for COVID and what is the best to take? Well, you know, there's an, obviously um, there are the, uh, the PCR tests, which look for nuclear material. Um, if you're going to get a rapid, they are not approved if you have a rapid antigen. Uh, which were the first ones to come out with a 30-minute result from Abbott. Um, but they were testing so many people, they just wanted to know if they had it because of the fear factor. And you don't use rapid tests if you don't have symptoms, okay? It's going to come back almost invariably. It's not even approved if you don't have symptoms. But there was a period where the government wanted to know who, who had COVID in the United States. And they said, just go get tested. We'll pay for it. But the PCR, you know, is the nuclear material, the snippets of nuclear material. And now many places like we have worked with our lab. We have a courier system on Saturday and Sunday. They put that in. We get turnaround on PCRs in 48 hours. But if they're symptomatic, we talk to them about ivermectin right then and there. So even if it's a five-day treatment, if we get the results back in two days and they were symptomatic and it's not, it's a rhinovirus and adenovirus, they're still gonna feel better because ivermectin is an antiviral, people. It's an antiviral. So what the heck? They're all feeling better. The other 200 
all felt better with other viruses. So the PCR is the way to go if you're going to get tested. Mary Sheridan wants to know, can a very mild infection that was interrupted immediately with ivermectin still confer natural immunity? Yes, I don't see why not. You know, all you're doing is you've been infected, you have the virus, you're making your own antibodies very quickly. You might already have some T cell and B cell immunity. If you're old enough, you, you, you probably have it from the uh, 1918 Spanish flu. They're showing in these real long aged people, they still have in the bone marrow immunity, T cell, immediate, long-term B cell, uh, yes. Once you get the virus, you've got it, and it is spreading through your entire body rapidly. Viruses replicate incredibly fast, and they spread throughout your entire body. But the two days before you have symptoms, that's when your biggest viral load is. And then all of a sudden, it spills into the rest of your system, so to speak, and people start getting symptomatic 48 hours after they have been inoculated with uh, um, what's called the LD50 dose. How much virus did you inhale? Here's another question that deals with timing. Um, Greg Carroll wants to know, would ivermectin benefit my 74-year-old dad who still has a productive cough two weeks after recovering from COVID? Well, you always have to worry about post-COVID pneumonias. I've had some people that <clears throat> got better, then they got sick again. They started coughing up yellow, green phlegm. We do an x-ray. The x-ray is very characteristic for COVID. It's also very characteristic for other types of pneumonia. Your white count is usually up uh, when you have an infectious agent, uh, um, you know, like a bacterium, um, or uh, it's, it's often up. Interestingly, with COVID, the white counts don't go up. The lymphocyte count, which you would think would go up with a virus, will go down. And that's one of the hallmarks of the diagnostics early on, people would come in sick with fever, they'd have a normal white count, but the lymphocyte count was low. And it's like, hey, you've got COVID and the test 100% came back, you have COVID. The other is the loss of taste and smell. In the first round in particular was pathognomonic to me and all my people, you got COVID. And that's when I started the test and treat. I'm not waiting for a test to come back. I'm a good old fashioned doctor. And when it sounds like hoof beats behind you and you're not gonna turn around in America and see a zebra, you're gonna see a horse. We were having COVID, COVID, COVID. And when you have one predominant virus, if you look at historically virology, it doesn't leave room for another virus to come in. It's spreading, COVID was spreading. We, what have we heard about the flu? What we weren't even getting people coming in with with other types of illnesses, it was always COVID. It, you, know. you reminded me of an interview that I did with Dr. Martin Gill, who's in South Africa. And he told me about one of the farmers down there who has a huge farm and has about 200 workers on the farm. And they had all agreed to start taking ivermectin. And all of them did. And the remarkable thing was that they went a year without even having a day off work. Nobody got colds, nobody got anything. It's an antiviral. You gotta tell your doctors it's an antiviral. Give them Pierre's compendium. Give them reading materials, very simple. Don't overwhelm them. Just saying, 
please doctor, I want this. I want to be protected. I, and you know what, Betsy, I, we're going to, we're going to keep going. Don't get tired. Have a cup of coffee. Look, the bottom line is when you're dealing with this type of uh, situation, you know, you got to look at Dr. Cavallo's work where he had 800 people, healthcare workers in high risk situations. Recently, a couple months ago, that changed the guidelines for us in the FLCC. 400 of them wouldn't take the treatment who were treating COVID or around COVID sick people. 400 of them took 12 milligrams a week for two months. 59% or 53% of the people who didn't take ivermectin got COVID. Zero of the doctors, nurses, orderlies who took the ivermectin 12 milligrams a week, none of them got COVID. And they were all using the same PPE, the same masks and gloves and gowns. Exactly. And they were all treating, they were all dealing with people who were highly infectious. Everybody watching this needs to explode on the social media. We have to stop the suppression. We have to get McCullough back on. Reich, uh, Patty Giuliano, I promise her, Patty is a nurse. She almost died from COVID, made a comeback and became a huge, huge advocate. She has converted emergency room uh, doctors, uh, mid-levels. She has been a huge advocate. Patty, thank you uh, so much, along with so many nurses uh, that have been very dedicated. And now we are put in the crosshairs, this horrible dilemma of if you don't do what I'm telling you to do, you're going to get fired. Wait a minute, time out. Who's going to take care of the people in the hospital? Why do they have to be subjected against their First Amendment rights, the Nuremberg Doctrine? Why should we, why should these these people be forcing healthcare providers to quit? What more can we do to create a crisis in, in, in hospital treatment? Fire the nurses, fire the doctor. Are you kidding me? It's insanity, it's upside down. And if people stay to walk out because many people Please listen to me, all you others. Many people will not get this, no matter what you offer them, whether it's a hamburger and fries or a million-dollar lottery or a four-year tuition. They're not going to do this. And when I hear the messaging, Betsy, you know what I hear? All you dumbasses out there who aren't listening to us, you're not listening to us, we don't care about you. Why are they not presenting the alternative option? I went to the school superintendent, I spoke, they are putting out, I sent you a rack card about this, about the V, about the injection. They also are gonna allow equal time to the rack card we're gonna create. If you're not going to get the injection, here is a legitimate alternative. Side by side, people have a right to make their own decisions. It's their body. And all this malarkey that's going around is brainwashing. brainwashing. The FLCCC has always said, your decision, you discuss it with your doctor. Absolutely. It's your decision. But certainly the masks, the eye mask plus protocol is out there for additional protection. It's out there uh, to protect you, particularly at a time when the variant is causing problems for people, whether you're vaccinated or not. We have to wrap it up now. We've our, our team behind the 
uh, scenes is telling me that uh, we're we're finished with our questions for tonight. And Bruce, oh, you're fabulous. We wait, thank you. Now, hey, everybody, please. I'm asking you, please donate. I know Betsy comes on at the end. I was going to do it earlier. I, I'm so oh, I could go on for five hours. Please, people, the FLCCC and other groups who, uh, you know, Ivermectin, empty team, whatever, this organization needs donations, buy the goods, make a donation. All of my patients who are watching, please, please make a donation. $5, $10, $500,000, because you're doing the right thing. We have to message. We have to continue a grassroots effort. We have to push it. We have to educate. We have to stand up to things that are very worrisome at this time. And please donate, please, for the time that I put in, my teams, all the frontliners, please help this incredible organization to be continuing to spread the word. And it's up to each and every one of you to be courageous. Be courageous. Don't be afraid of a pill we use for pinworms, licensed scabies. We use it. Please donate. Thank you. To say it. Thank you. Thank you, Bruce Boros. You're, <laughs> you're a great pitch man, I must say. That was incredible. And of course, the, the link is on the website, flccc.net. Thank you all. Uh, for that. And uh, those of you who have donated and kept us going to keep the word out, we are so grateful because yes, we are a, we're a 501c3 nonprofit organization. We don't sell drugs. We don't sell medicines. We don't uh, do anything other than give information to doctors and to patients and to people trying to protect themselves from disease. So we, we're in the medical education business and it's not easy right now as you, as you have heard. So thank you, thank you for all of your help. Um, the, you didn't I, you get know, I told you I was gonna interrupt you. People, you, it is your responsibility. Nobody cares more about your health than you do about you and your family. Please educate your doctor gently, kindly, and if he says, I am not going to do that, find another doctor. If your loved one is in the hospital and they refuse, get a lawyer, healthcare lawyer, go to a judge, uh, get a federal judge, get an order or call Ralph Larigo, he's my hero, and challenge it, challenge it, challenge it. Get your whole community to stand outside the hospital and say, we want ivermectin. They have to be shamed. I'll end Betsy by saying the greatest lady in politics that I ever knew when I came down here, there was a big fight that I had to get through. And I said, Wilhelmina Harvey, how do you topple the power? How does a, a little group, how does a single person change the dynamic of, of things that are not right? She said, Doc, what you have to do is you have to have public disfavor. I'm asking everybody, spread the word, public disfavor, grassroots. It is the only thing that is going to regain your personal power and our personal powers. Okay? Public disfavor. I'm shutting up. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> next week, folks, if we didn't get to your question, next week we'll be back. We'll try to get to your questions then. Uh, in the meantime, you know where to find us on the website, flccc.net. 
Uh, we hope to be continuing on Facebook and Twitter and YouTube, but we are transferring things to Odyssey, to Telegram, just in case we get taken down from some of those other platforms. And we are asking you to send us your email uh, addresses, not because we want to flood your inbox. We, we don't do that. In fact, 6,000 of you did this just since last week. And we're overwhelmed. We haven't been able to respond quickly to just say thank you for signing up. But the reason that we want these email addresses is so we will be able to reach you if we get cut off from other avenues of communication. And your donations are fabulous. And this is absolutely great that you have done this. If you haven't signed up yet, flccnet slash sign up. That's all you need. Talk to, to your urgent cares. Talk to the urgent cares. They're the front line of large numbers of people. They need to start ivermectin, FLCCC protocols. Anybody in the hospital? Wonderful. Thank please, you. Please, that, uh, thank that's going to wrap it up tonight. Thank you, Bruce. <laughs> thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank so you much. all for watching. What a great group you are. And um, stay well, and we'll see you next week. Thanks.